egg prices, at least in the U.S., have been a bit of a yo-yo for the last couple of years, and the price always seems to land just a little bit higher than its lowest spot. Getting eggs from the factory, so to speak, seems like a good solution. Then, when you think about the coop and the feed and the smell, it might seem too much to take on. If only you could try chickens for six months and see if that's a fit. Well, that would be swell. Well, somebody saw that need and filled it. My guest today started the Rent the Chicken business, and he's going to tell us how it started and how it's going. Clickingly, I might reveal, and also to prime the pump for some more egg yolks. The Eating Liberty Podcast, episode 236, Food and Freedom Once a Week for Life. Hello folks, Stan Reed here. Phil Tompkins is my guest today. Phil and his wife Jen founded Rent the Chicken in 2013. The goal is to help people learn about raising chickens and get a food source closer to their table. That would be the eggs. Phil rents the chickens, two or four hens, the coop, the feed, food and water dishes. It's one of those ideas that's impressive, fits a need, and beats the system. So, of course, we love it. Hello, Phil. Thank you for joining me today on the Eating Liberty Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So today we're talking about what I think is a fascinating idea, uh, renting chickens. Say, like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? So we're going to find out what's going on here. Before we do that, give us a little bit of a bio about you and how you came to be, how you went from Phil to Homestead Phil, and then we'll talk about renting chickens. Yeah, you bet. Well, I'm Homestead Phil with Rent the Chicken, rentthechicken.com, and we rent out chickens so people can try having backyard hens um, for fresh eggs, uh, and it's a, it's a six-month rental. We started our business in 2013, so hey, it's 2023 right now. It's been 10 years that we've been in business, and originally, this idea was, I mean, I literally was Googling crazy business ideas in the middle of the night. Somebody in Alabama was renting chickens. I, I leaned over to my wife. I'm like, hey, Jen, what do you think about renting chickens? She's like, well, I, I can use some, I know how to use some power tools. I can build some coops. And well, heck, rent the chicken was hatched. And uh, that's how we got our start. That's an excellent pun. <laughs> All right. So you go from one idea, where yes. can, I guess, who, who can, who can rent the chicken? Can, can you rent to me in Oregon? Can you rent to someone in say British Columbia? You bet. So 
in 2014, we started establishing relationships with other farmers. And this year, we actually do have a farmer in Oregon uh, who's uh, between Eugene and Portland that's able to, yeah. to deliver up the, the I, um, I-5 corridor there. Uh, so we do have someone there. We also have farmers throughout the United States and Canada. So, yes, we can deliver to Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Victoria, British Columbia, all the way up to Kamloops. We also have a farmer um, in uh, Alberta, we've got one in Ontario, New York, Connecticut. Um, so all the big cities, uh, there's still some areas that we're still trying to expand to. Um, but I mean, you go to our website, you click on uh, pricing and locations, and you're going to find us all over the place. Los Angeles, Houston, New York City, uh, Boston, you know, and we're here. My wife and I founded this company. We're just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So this is what I call rent the chicken headquarters right here, just outside of Pittsburgh. All right. So you mentioned Los Angeles and New York and Boston. And well, those are known probably for having some rural space. They're not really known for rural at all. They're known for high-rise urban stuff. Yes. And say somebody living in Manhattan in the 23rd floor of a 50-floor building <laughs> rent chickens. Well, we do have a hatching program that they can do inside their home. So they can go through the, the experience of, of having an egg for three weeks, watching it grow and develop. We actually provide a candling light that you can shine up to the egg and you can see the baby chick growing. It's almost like an ultrasound. And then after they hatch, you put them in the cage we provide. Uh, you keep them for two weeks and then we come and we take them back to the farm. Uh, it's a great program for homeschooling, daycare, senior care facilities, libraries, but actually having chickens for fresh eggs uh, on your balcony in New York City probably isn't going to work. Now, I will tell you uh, that in Brooklyn, not too far away from Manhattan, we do deliveries in Brooklyn. There are some people that have some yard space. So if your yard is about 15 feet wide, maybe 20 feet deep, uh, we can get a chicken coop in there. Yeah, there, there's places in Brooklyn and Queens and Long Island that will do that. In Manhattan, not so much. <laughs> not so much. I mean, there might be somewhere. If, if you do have some yard space by some miracle in Manhattan, then, yes, we can we can deliver some, some chickens to you. Yeah. Some of the apartment buildings, they, they built, they're like little fortresses, and on the inside – there's little green space, but I suppose you'd need permission from hundreds of folks, and who knows how easy that might be challenging. Might, might be, be challenging. challenging. But the, the majority of our customers are in cities. So uh, here in the Pittsburgh area, there's over 2 million people. 90% um, of my deliveries are in the city of Pittsburgh. Now, uh, Pittsburgh is, is single family homes, row homes. Um, obviously, I'm not delivering to apartments. However, I can deliver to, say, um, a community farm area where uh, a bunch of neighbors have gotten together and they, they've got like a community farm and they also want some chickens there. So there are definitely some opportunities if there's some green space uh, for in, in, in your neighborhood. So you said six months. What happens? Um, first, I, I think people, the whole idea here is you're renting chickens for several, for several things. One, probably so people can have eggs. Although probably buying eggs at the store, even at these prices, is cheaper than paying for chickens. Um, but also, I think there's 
there's an intangible educational experience going with raising a chicken because it's not like raising a kid. <laughs> cat. Cat doesn't give a crap. Just give me my food, meow. Uh, or even a dog. There's there's still there's something to be had from raising a pet. But I think chicken as a pet isn't the same as a dog or a cat. So uh, from from the learning part, that's something. But the eggs part, I'm assuming these are not chickens people are going to turn into, you know, chicken pot pie. No, no. You only get one dinner from a chicken. You get breakfast every morning, and I love breakfast. So our program really is for the person that is – trying to have chickens. Maybe they're trying to be more sustainable. Maybe they're going for that yard to table experience. Um, they're just trying to bring everything a little bit closer to their home, right? So um, the the eggs themselves, I mean, uh, you're going to get a third less cholesterol from these eggs. Uh, there's some studies from Mother Earth News uh, you can find right on our website, rentthechicken.com. Click on FAQs. And Mother Earth News uh, did put out a, a, a nice publication there Third less cholesterol, more good omega fatty threes. Uh, there's just more good vitamins, right? These chickens, they're in a low stress environment. They are in a, uh, they're getting a high quality chicken feed, um, and they're just living life outside. They're they're getting exposed to sunshine, and you can't say that about all the eggs. Uh, that you know the chickens that lay the eggs for at, at the store for all those birds. Now certainly there are some exceptions to that, you know, pasture raised uh, chickens and, and such. Um, but there really are benefits beyond just the fresh eggs as well. Um, chickens can be used as therapy animals. Um, chickens, I've seen it myself. Autistic children and chickens. It's absolutely amazing. We've seen such breakthroughs in how these autistic kids will respond um, to having the chickens there and seeing the eggs laid. Um, seniors uh, will, at, at senior care facilities, when the chickens are there, um, they start talking about how they had chickens with their grandparents, right? These are seniors that might not even remember what they had for breakfast this morning, but they're going back to their childhood when they were 10 years old and their grandparents had chickens and and how that affected their lives. So there are certainly benefits beyond just the fresh eggs, the local sustainability, uh, the environmental impacts. Heck, a single chicken can eat up to 80 ticks in an hour. So, you know, West Coast really, I mean, I know you've got some, some, some uh, tick issues on the West Coast, but here on the East Coast, ticks are a major issue and um, they're causing health concerns. So having a couple birds has tremendous benefits for your family. The, the pest control sounds like, insect control sounds like a really good thing. I think there's also probably the added benefit of chicken poop. But I think. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. My a lot of poop. It. My garden, well, you know, two to four hens uh, produces less waste than a German shepherd that you might have. So we're not talking about a tremendous amount. Um, but if you start getting into the chicken math and you have 20 or 30 chickens, now remember, we only rent out two or four. We want to make it easy for you. We want to make the introduction to having chickens in your backyard very um, simplistic, right? Everything is turnkey because we bring the coop, we bring the feed, we bring the chickens, right? Uh, you have a friend to call if you have chicken questions. Um, when you start getting more chickens, uh, for instance, I had uh, 60 chickens over the winter. 
Um, and I do have quite a bit of manure to deal with. Um, however, it's coming into spring, right? Here, here it is, uh, date of this recording, March 20th. The other day we cleaned out our coop. We stuck all that goodness, uh, right into our garden. And that is what's going to be fertilizing, uh, our, our garden for this summer, right? I'm going to be planting here in the next, uh, you know, six weeks. So it's good stuff. It really is. My, I've never had an issue with a, a low yield, uh, in my vegetable garden. Well, that's a good thing. So Pittsburgh is similar, probably in climate, to my part of Oregon. I'm, I mean, you're lower than I am. I'm at 4,500 feet, but we get snow and we get cold and we get freezing overnight. Do chickens, I mean, I don't really know. Do, do chickens deal with cold weather? Are they like snow is like, no way. I'm not doing snow. What's going on? <laughs> well, um, you know, we do rent up in Canada uh, where it is it definitely colder. Than, yeah. And um, that's why we adjust our season, right? We're going to deliver uh, sometime in late April, beginning of May uh, here in the lower 48. Um, in Canada, we definitely wait until May before we do our deliveries. That way you're not dealing with frozen water. Frozen water is probably the biggest issue that you're going to have uh, when you have chickens. Now, the, the birds themselves, they ruffle up their feathers. They create an insulation barrier. Their heartbeat's around 300 beats per minute, and they stay warm. So uh, snow generally is not going to be a concern. We don't use any heating lights or, or anything like that for the birds. Um, a wild turkey sleeps in a tree in the dead of winter, right? These chickens have a coop. They go up to the second level, they hang out in there, and then they, that's where they sleep, that's where they lay their eggs, and then they come out during the day. So um, the cold weather really shouldn't be an issue, especially since we're going to be dropping off those birds uh, during hopefully what is the, the best six months of the year uh, for, for weather for your uh, region. Now, what about really hot? Two summers ago, I think everybody experienced that. But here in Oregon, we were getting into 110s. Like, yes, yes. Um, the humans were having a hard time. <laughs> That's like a lot. So, so based on the climate, we do select different breeds for different climates. Uh, so, for instance, um, you know, in the north, we tend to have breeds with smaller combs because that's um, if frostbite's going to happen during the winter, that's where it's going to happen. But during, in the south, we do a, a longer comb because that's how they help dissipate heat. Now, we have chickens. Um, we rent them out in, in Phoenix and Tucson. Uh, it's hot there all the yes. time. We've got chickens in Houston. It's hot there all the time. Georgia, it's hot there all the time. So um, the the birds are able to deal with uh, with the temperatures. Uh, in fact, we're going to give you a book when you rent from us uh, in the United States called uh, Fresh Eggs Daily by Lisa Steele. And she actually has some, some fun ways of giving uh, chickens treats that will help cool them off during the winter. Uh, as simple as just having an ice tray and, and sticking some blueberries in there and, and, and throwing that in some water for your birds. I mean, there's definitely some different ways to spoil your birds. Uh, but the coop is designed so there's always shade. There's always um, plenty of ventilation and airflow through that uh, so that during the, the summer, they, they get that breeze. Uh, but during the winter, um, they don't get the direct uh, cold air directly on them. So 
Yeah, great question. Uh, it's, it's certainly something that is very region specific, and we do go for different breeds based on the region. Is So we've established that a patio isn't really ideal. Is a lawn Probably not ideal, no. I mean, you could make it happen, but on your side, there will be a lot of cleanup because in a grass yard, those droppings are going to become natural fertilizer for your grass, right? The coop is on wheels that we deliver. So every day you can move the coop a few feet. Uh, and that gives the chickens access to fresh bugs, grubs, and grass. Gives them the, uh, the protection of the coop, but the feeling of free ranging and allows uh, you to fertilize your lawn. In fact, your lawn is probably going to be about an inch taller there next summer uh, without the chickens just because of, of what you did this year. So ideally, the birds are going to be happiest if there's some green space for them to scratch and peck and whatever it is that chickens do. Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, if, if you want to let your chickens out of the coop, the coop has a built-in run. But if you want to let them out, you definitely can. Um, we just recommend that it's supervised, right? So be out there with them. Uh, drink some sweet tea. Watch your chicken TV. Um, and then when it's time to, for you to go, always give yourself about 15 minutes to put your chickens away. Sometimes it takes about 10 seconds. Sometimes it takes 15 minutes. But what you don't want to do is just let your, your chickens roam without supervision because there are so many things out there that want to have chicken for dinner and, and you being out there is going to help protect them. We have, we saw this morning a just stunningly beautiful red fox. I mean, this guy, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's a guy. I don't actually know, but this animal is beautiful. I and mean, for whatever reason, it's, it's been coming into the, into the residential area, I'm assuming looking for food, but Boy, is he pretty, but him, <laughs> I've oh, seen Fargo oh. and Lego, and I know the story. Him was a chicken. <laughs> what happens this year, our, our foxes, they're having their pups right around now. So they're normally a nocturnal animal. You're not going to see them during the day, but because they're having their pups, uh, they're out looking for food to bring back to the den. So that's why you're seeing them outside mm -hmm. uh, this time of day. Now, now where I live, we have bald eagles right along the Allegheny River north of Pittsburgh. Uh, in fact, there's a nest about two miles from me, and uh, there's some uh, juvenile bald eagles that are out right now, and they are searching for food. So uh, just one more reason to, to keep your, your um, well, not just your chickens, but your small pets protected as well. Yeah, Oregon is, uh, we've got more than a few raptors around here. And I Absolutely. see them every day. I grew up uh, in Gresham, Oregon, so uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty familiar uh, with, with the Oregon climate and, and um, whatnot. What is the most, well, I, I, this sort of a two things. What is the most amazing comment you've gotten from a customer? And what is, is there a common thing that everyone, or, or the, the, the main, wow, the thing I didn't expect was this. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the tick uh, uh, situation here. About five years ago, we rented out some uh, chickens to a family just outside of Pittsburgh. They have two and a half wooded acres. And they, at the in the fall when I picked everything up, they said that they were going to have chickens long term, probably next spring. Uh, but they said that was the first year that their pets and their kids and, and the family members, nobody 
came in from the outdoors with a tick on them. And that was just two chickens and two and a half acres. Uh, and I thought that was absolutely wonderful for that family, especially with Lyme disease out here. Um, the other thing, I'm going to tell a story about Homestead Ray Lee, who is just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. She was delivering a hatching program to a senior care facility. And she was there, and this was pre-COVID. We would go in and we would give a presentation. And, and now that COVID's pretty much ended, um, we're, we're getting back to those presentations. And she dropped off an incubator. And, and cage, and she started uh, talking to the seniors um, about chickens and about the baby chicks and the hatching process. And this little old lady walked up, and she was asking all these questions and talking about all this stuff, and and they were going on, and and it was great. And on Ray Lee's way out, one of the staff members said, "Hey, Homestead Ray Lee, have you got a second? And she said, "Yeah." She goes, "You know, little Miss Mabel over there? Oh yeah, she's she's so sweet." Little Miss Mabel has been here for three months, and today was the first time that she said a single word. And that was the impact that these chickens had on that, that senior there at that facility. And um, it really is heartwarming and amazing. I mean, chickens, you know, to a lot of people are just simply livestock, right? Right. But they have personalities. They'll come when you call them. Uh, they they will. They'll jump up onto your lap. Um, it is. They really are amazing animals, um, and they can definitely have a, a direct impact on on your life and and the the people around you. My sister has. I don't even know how many now, but she's kept chickens. I live four, five, six years now. And, and she doesn't do it as much anymore, but she used to share lots of stories of just how <laughs> the, the personality thing is just like, and I never really thought about chicken having a personality, but it was, she had a lot of fun. Um, what happened? So What if, how, would someone get a rooster? What would happen? I mean, I'm, you were talking about laying eggs, getting chickens for eggs. And I mean, I'm not a chicken farmer, but I understand basic <laughs> biology and roosters sure. aren't going to lay eggs. So uh, sure. what, what happens if someone ends up with a rooster? Does that happen? So Dan, that has never happened. Um, it is, uh, we, we bring hens that are already laying eggs. Uh, okay. We pair them up. Uh, we're going to know if they're roosters before they get to you. Um, now certainly if you hatch chickens with us and you decide to adopt those baby chicks and then raise them yourself, uh, there is a possibility you could end up with a rooster because, uh, about 50% of all hatched chicks are, are going to be roosters. Uh, but with our program, when we deliver hens are, are very quiet. Uh, they, they'll cluck when they see you in the morning because you're, you're feeding them. They're excited to see you. Uh, they're, they cluck when they see a predator just to alert the other hens, um, heck, they cluck when they're laying an egg. I think I would cluck if I was laying an egg. Uh, but they, uh, but you're not going to get crowing or anything like that. Um, and so it's it it just hasn't happened with our our program. So uh, I, I guess anything's possible. You only need the rooster for for the fertilized eggs, right? Um, and so 
the the program we that we provide, you know, there's no reason to have a fertilized egg at, at your house. And most municipalities have ordinances against having roosters. So uh, it's just not something that we rent out. Somebody, I, I don't know where it is because the sound travels a great distance, but I hear a couple in my, within earshot of my house and um, it doesn't bother me, but I'm not the neighbor. So, <laughs> right. um, so let's say someone goes in the hatching program and they say, you know what, this, this was so much fun. We decided we want to keep them. Yes. How, I can't even tell the difference between a boy gerbil and a girl gerbil. How do you tell the difference <laughs> between a boy hen, a boy chicken and a girl chicken? Well, let me tell you this much. Um, there are people at these big uh, hatcheries that get paid a lot of money to look at these chicks' rear ends and determine if they are male or female. And um, they're as right as a meteorologist. In other words, out of every 10 birds, there's going to be one or two roosters. So um, I don't even try. Sometimes some of our farmers do use sex-linked birds. Uh, so we know their gender based on their color when they're hatched. Um, each of our farmers uses different breeding stocks. Uh, but you can think of this like mallards, for instance, the one with the gold heads, uh, mallards, uh, or the bright green, rather, uh, those are the, the males. Um, the, the subdued, camouflaged, uh, brown um, mallard ducks, those are the hens. So that's just an example in, in, in nature, or even cardinals. Uh, the bright red ones are the males and the, uh, the, the more tannish, you know, dark red um, colors, those are the females. Same thing ha happens with chickens, and we, you can definitely breed some birds in a way uh, by crossbreeding with different breeds to get a sex-linked bird, and then you know exactly what their sex is based on their color at hatch. Okay. Well, it's interesting. They get paid lots of money to be wrong. I want that job. <laughs> so if someone's renting the chickens, so, yes. so wintertime winter they can manage as long as I suppose the humans have to do maybe a little bit of extra to help them, but they can probably tolerate it. And they decide, you know what, this has been such a good experience. We want to, we want to buy out. Is that an option? Yeah, we we want to. Absolutely. You, you, at the end of the rental, you have two choices. You can adopt your chickens or adopt your chickens and the coop. Um, and when you do adopt, you are, we are your chicken friends forever for life. So it could be 10 years down the road. You could have hatched your own. You could have got chickens from somebody else. If you have a chicken question, you just call me up. Uh, the other option is at any time during the rental, if you feel that this is not for you, you can chicken out and then we'll come pick everything up. Well, I can appreciate it. It might be a good idea and it might become really overwhelming for somebody. Like, this is <laughs> just It's, just it's possible. In general, two to four chickens shouldn't take you more than five minutes a day to care for. Um you know, it's it's basically you grab the handle on the front of the coop, you move it a couple of feet, you throw in a scoop of feed, you make sure they have water, you collect their eggs. The only part of the, the coop to clean out is the nesting box where they lay their eggs. So every two to six weeks, uh, a quick scrape, scrape, throw some more bedding in there and you're done. Uh, so uh, we, we really try hard to, to make it very simple for you. Um, we make it so that having chickens is is not going to be overwhelming so 
No, that's good. Naravuam is good. Uh, you've mentioned the, your phrase, your name is homesteading, Phil. Um, on your website, do you teach or have you discussed or have you ever, ever done, I think it's called glassing the eggs, putting them up? Is that a process sure. you share and teach? So it's not really something that we talk about, um, but certainly as a homesteader, there are different ways of preserving eggs um, and the glassing them to, to stick them in, you know, like a mason jar and, and, and save them. Here's the thing. Two, two chickens can give you a dozen eggs a week. Uh, chances are you're going to eat through those dozen eggs a week, whether it's for omelets or pound cake or cookies or, or something, right? You're going to, you're going to make something with those eggs. Um, four chickens, about two dozen eggs a week. If you've got four people in your family, you know, two adults, two kids, maybe even three kids, you're probably going to be going through those two dozen eggs a week, uh, depending on everybody's age. So, um, while you could preserve them if you wanted to, uh, that's not something that we really give classes on. Um, there's certainly some ideas inside of the book that we provide and, if somebody was to call me up and ask me some questions, I, I would certainly, you know, help educate them. I mean, we're your chicken friends. Um, you give me a call. We can talk about different things. Um, heck, when if you decide to adopt, but you don't want our coop and you're like, hey, Homestead Phil, I'm going to build my own coop. What suggestions do you have? I'm going to go through my suggestion um, list and I'm going to talk about just simple things like make sure the roof of your, of your coop um, is slanted away from the chicken run. Because if it's slanted towards the chicken run, as it rains, all that water is going to go into the chicken run. And then you're going to get that, that smell and that chicken manure mud and all that stuff that you probably don't want to deal with. So, you know, whatever your, your chicken questions are, whether it's preserving eggs or how to build your own coop or what coop you should buy or, hey, my chicken's acting a little weird. What do you think? Here's a video. Um, we're here to help. We're going to be your chicken friends. Now, chicken first aid is probably something that's that comes up a lot. And a friend of mine, uh, my sister had this problem, and some of my virtual friends have had the same problem with various problems between something wrong with the eye or the foot. Um, is so. I'm sure, as the chicken friend, you are there, right? And maybe even on the FaceTime call, go show me the chicken, talking to people through what are probably fairly common ailments to a chicken, but to the human who's never seen it, it seems like a really big deal. Right. Yeah, The um, it's rare that young birds have issues. We rent out young birds, um, and the young birds themselves um, – I mean, they, they just, they want to lay eggs. They're, they're going to be healthy, uh, but things do happen. The most common issue that we have is our external parasites. So uh, maybe a wild bird has some lice or some mites and they, they, the, the, those parasites pass from the wild bird to the chicken. Um, you can't get them. You, you're not going to get lice. You're not going to get, you know, mites. They're not going to infect you um, because they are bird specific. Uh, and then we, we, Chances are we either give you a, an answer as to how to resolve it. We open up the book that we gave you and say, hey, turn to page 130. It talks about this. Um, if it's something like bumblefoot, you know, we'll walk you through how to take care of the bumblefoot. If, um, 
if some reason the chicken gets some kind of respiratory thing going on, we talk about, you know, what types of uh, uh, things you should do to help uh, with that. Um, I would say out of, you know, every thousand rentals, we might have five people that call us up with issues that are, are more significant than, um, you know, something like dealing with lice. Well, that doesn't sound insignificant. That's, yeah. This sounds like the chicken probably wants you to fix that problem pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We make it easy. Well, good. Easy is a good thing. I'm not overwhelmed is That's a good right. thing. Folks, my new book, 50 Things to Know About Being a Chef, is due for release on April 7th. As of this podcast release, Pre-orders are being accepted at culinarylibertarian.com slash 50chefthings. Also, just go to Amazon. Kindle, paperback, and hardback versions of that book are available. All right, since I know we have, uh, we have a thing to do, you have a thing to do, I'm going to move on to a, uh, this is sort of the short, quick fire part of the show. Uh, just some, some short answer uh, short answers to short questions. <laughs> it was much harder to say than it should have been. <laughs> of the five flavors, sweet, salty, bitter, sour, or umami, which one's your favorite? Oh, I'm going to go for a sweet. You know, let's, let's, let's scramble up some eggs, put a little maple syrup in there, and mm, yes, there we go. My daughter's with you. Uh, what's your favorite food? Uh, right now, pizza, except I'm trying to be on a low-carb diet, and that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> What's your least favorite food? Oh, asparagus. Let's just cool. stay away from that. Asparagus, um, those little round things, uh, Brussels sprouts. No, not, yeah, we're going to stay away from that. What sound do you love? Oh, probably just my wife welcoming me home when I get home from a long day. No one has ever made that answer before. It's the first one. What a good answer. Make sure she hears this show. <laughs> what sound do you hate? Um, you know, when you're, when you're sitting at home and, and um, I love my neighbors and just the other night I heard an ambulance pull up to my neighbors. And so mm -hmm. I, I heard the siren and that's, that's, you know, of course I went out there to go take a look. Uh, I, I really love the, the community around me. So I, I hate to hear somebody in trouble. What gets you excited? Um, you know, the, the going to church on Sunday. You know, I raise my hands, I shout hallelujah, and, and um, I, I just, I'm really excited to be around my church family. What turned you off? Hmm. Negativity. You know, I mean, there's, especially in social media, when, when, you, when you're excited about something and, 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 and people just like, Try to say how wrong that was. It's a lot of that in social media. There is. If you could cook for anyone ever, who would that be? Oh, cook for anyone ever. Um, man, imagine being the person to make the last supper there for uh, Jesus and the disciples. Uh, that That would be a very interesting experience. Uh, I think I think that's where I would go. Uh, you've mentioned the name of the website. How can people follow you? Do you also, and we talked about social media, so do you want yeah. to give a uh, Facebook or a Twitter? 
Sure. It's just at Rent the Chicken, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and uh, obviously uh, RentTheChicken.com, RentTheChicken.ca. And we are, we're here. So look us up. Take a and picture it, of your chickens and tag us. So the .ca is for Canada, right? .ca, that's right. Yeah, some some of us. I think the Amer- <laughs> I had to guess. <laughs> we, we Americans don't, you know, we're arrogant. We don't know everything. Oh, what are you talking about? Of course we do. Um, all right. If uh, we can, I, I do have another portion, and I, do you can you spare the six minutes? Yeah, or? let's make it happen. All right. So we're going to say fake. Fake goodbye here. Thank you for your time this midday. I <laughs> uh, appreciate you being here. You bet, Dan. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right, folks, that's going to do it. I'll add Phil's Rent the Chicken website link to the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 236. If chickens isn't possible for you, but egg hatchery is, visit the website to learn about how to do that. Phil's Chef Table portion is up on the Patreon. It's a bit shorter than normal since we were bumping up against his next appointment. Have a great week, and I'll see you soon. Music for the Culinary Libertarian podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.